Great. Okay, so a quick recap where we're up to this, with the series. We're all about living our normal lives radically. The values that we discovered 30 years ago, 40 years ago, still as radical today. And we're looking to rediscover and reapply those values. And we've got permission to deconstruct and reconstruct those expressions. So over the last few weeks, um, we've looked at these different subjects, that, just to bring it back to mind again. if any of those things mean anything to you. Uh, Last time out, we we talked about the company of game changers. And some images there for that. Okay. Okay, don't give up the fight. So today we're going to be looking at commitment. We're going to be looking at what it means not to give up the fight. Commitment's only useful if there's a fight that would make you go otherwise anyway. Um, And we're talking about freedom that Christ brings. And Christ breaks our chains so that we can choose to be committed to him. Let's uh, hear a few thoughts on commitment from our taught on camera. Um, initial reaction would be easy. Um, I would I would hope there would be a stage where it would become hard because that would be where you're meeting with God and being challenged. I think it should be relatively easy to join the church. Um, but I think you should do so with quite a serious attitude about it and a commitment and saying, yeah, I actually want to join with these people and um, have quite a serious kind of commitment to that. But um, in terms of joining, I think it should be relatively easy to do. Um, I don't really think it should be easy or hard. I think it should be easy because we should be a people who are very accepting and people should see us and like the lifestyle we're living and they should feel the sense of community. Yet I think we should have high expectations of the people who are entering the church. Therefore, it should be quite difficult to get in. It should be easy to come along and find out about the church, but should take some consideration to actually join. Um, Because it's uh, something significant to join a particular church and to take your responsibility towards that group of people seriously. I think a bit of both. Um, I think it's important for us to make um, an informed decision to, to join um, Lifeline so that we can um, really understand what it means to commit to a church and to play an active role in it and to understand the principles of the church. So I think that requires um, a good amount of thought. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's not just about... Um, beliefs and, and, and principles it's it's about community and living those out with each other so from the people I've met they're all great so um, yeah it sh- that aspect should be easy I think I think it is okay I think people um, come along for maybe you know a certain period of time without 
um, wanting to commit, and I think that's fine, but they can get a flavour of what we're about and who we are. Um, and some people have done that and then chosen to then do the foundation course off the back of that because they've seen our heart and they've seen our vision for the community. Yes, I think it's good for people to be involved in church activities. I think that's where you will meet God. I would hope after a certain amount of time there would be, again, challenge to involve you in church life and that God would then meet you in that. I think, yes, it's OK. Um, I believe that, you know, through being part of the church activities, you can learn a lot about um, being in Lifeline and... Yeah, I think it might just take a bit of time for people to learn more about the, ch the church and get to know people. Um, so, yeah, I think it should be fine. Um, it's great for people to come along to church activities, but um, I would hope over time they might want to join the, the church family and be part of something. Um, I don't think so, because if you're a part of what we're doing at church, you're a part of everything to do with Lifeline, therefore you're involved in all the activities, it's not, you can't come to, you can't pick and choose what you eat, it's not pick and mix, you've got to come to everything we're doing. Um, I think a big deal is made about the foundation course because it's the foundation really of understanding um, what it's like to be in Lifeline Church and um, getting to know people like I feel I've got a really good base of people that I that we've been through the same thing we you know we've shared lots of experiences together so it's like the beginning of a, a friendship group um, but also I have got to know um, the leaders um, I feel that I have a much better understanding of what the church is about and what it means to be part of it so yeah I think it's um, really important um, I think it's good to make a big deal about the foundation course because it, it gives, again, a flavour of who we are. It explains the foundations of what we believe in. And I think if people want to join with us, they need to understand where we're coming from, what our vision is, um, how we go about dealing with issues and things that come up. So I think that's a really important thing to do. Um, I think because it's um, showing commitment to being part of Lifeline, um, but I think we should remember that it's the most important thing is, is about following Jesus. Um, I would probably say in the word foundation, it gives you the rock to stand on, makes you confirm where you are with God, gives you that people around you to ask maybe those difficult questions that you've not quite faced. Um, I don't think it is such a great deal yet. I think it's very important to complete it because it really gives people an understanding of the basis of what our church is about. Yet, I think a bigger deal would be becoming rooted in the community, therefore being vested in a house group, coming to church, involved in prayer meetings and stuff. Um, I think it's a tricky one, um, mainly because it's, it's a bit of a process and you learn how to God go God's way through relationship, in my opinion, and um, by loving that person and uh, being a friend to that person, they might learn a lot more about what it means to go God's way. 
than someone who just rejects them because they're not quite where you would want them to be at that stage. So, yeah. No, we're, we're happy to help anybody who might need help, but we would hope over a period of time that they would want to go God's way. Um, my heart would be checking that I am going God's way to help other people choose the right direction and I would hope that that would then make them follow God's way. I think that is true actually to a certain extent. I think that if you're um, willing to go God's way, you're willing to be helped and um, you're willing to ask for help from, from the people around you. But if you're being stubborn and thinking, no, I'm just going to do it my own way anyway, then that degree of kind of wanting to be helped isn't there. So I think that is true. Uh, I think it makes it easier. Yeah, I don't agree because God or Jesus came for the people who are the needy and the people, like not the perfect people. Therefore, we're trying to be like Jesus. Therefore, we've got to invest in people, not just if they're following God, but if they're going the opposite way, we've got to, we can be a guide and a light for them to come into God. Okay, so we had them, had them thinking a little while longer that time. Um, did you agree with them? Did you disagree with them? Did they say stuff that you hadn't thought of? That's the point of the talk on camera. Um, okay, here's a scenario for you. You've been friends with Jonathan for a long time and are used to the fact that sometimes he loses his temper. Badly. Jonathan tells you that the people who care for him pastorally have been recently challenging him on this and he asks you to do so as well when you see him reacting in this way. You challenge him a couple of times, but his reaction is so strong and negative towards you that you feel that is just too much bother. Question one, who is responsible to see this issue through? In what way can you show your commitment to Jonathan? Okay, so just with a couple of people near you, I give you about one minute to solve those two. Okay, right. Question number one, who's responsible to see this issue through? Somewhat a leading question really, isn't it? And anyone want to give an answer to number one? Eureka Age. Sedi. Okay, so jo Jonathan because... Okay. So, so Jonathan's got a responsibility to see it through. Okay, who else? Iman, shout. I think it's Jonathan's responsibility, but also our responsibility to Okay. Okay, good. And any other, anyone else, Josiah? Uh, Mainly Jonathan. Well, it's mainly uh, Jonathan's responsibility, but, uh, and also his therapist, if he has one. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right, no, number two. In what way can you show your commitment to Jonathan? 
Yes. I think that you should, like, you should help him. You're, you're, he's your friend. You're, you say you're used to the fact that he loses his temper, and he's losing his temper, and it's like you challenge him. Obviously, he's going to be negative. But I think you need to show him that you're there to help him. And you'd be like, no, like, he's shouting. You're like, shut up, calm down. Mm-hmm. And when so, he's not mad, talk to him through it and say, you need a lot of help. Okay. Clearly, you can't control this issue. Okay, so, so also talking to him once he's calmed down to be reflective, because sometimes trying tackle in the midst of that can be difficult. Okay. Yes. The thing about um, what was that question? Can't see what it says. Oh, what, show your commitment. I think to really pray and get an insight because uh, we were saying possibly that anger is caused by something totally different. There may be something that needs help with not the anger, but something behind that. Maybe something that's happened in the past that's triggering this constant anger. So maybe just needs a word of knowledge or something. So definitely an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, over here. There might be certain places or situations that he gets more angry. And it might be something, say, you go to the pub with him and that's when he gets more angry. So maybe talking about, look, I'm, I'm not going to those places with you if that's where you lose your temper and being supportive in that kind of thinking around the subject again, like the others said. Okay, so kind of recognising where the weak spots are and trying to not kind of enable in those things. Okay, all right, we'll leave those there, some good answers. Um, Now, we all said that uh, it was also our responsibility as well as Jonathan. Just, just, let, let me put it out there. Has anyone in this room shied away from bringing challenge to someone that you know will react badly? Okay, all right. It's just important that while we look at a scenario and it's all over there, it's on the screen, it's far away, that actually we all struggle with the same, the same thing here. But that's what we're talking about when it comes to commitment. Okay, Neil. So Neil's going to do a, um, an overview of, of um, commitment. Next week we're going to do a deep dive and a, a deeper understanding of it, um, as requested by leaders. Okie dokie. So, this word commitment. Commitment's a, commitment's a word which people in the world are, are sometimes a bit afraid of. Um, it's generally, it's generally recognised that men and women have a different perspective when it comes to commitment. Um, there's a couple talking to each other. And, uh, and the lady's saying to the man, you have a 30-year mortgage, a five-year car lease, a lifetime gym membership, and you're afraid of commitment, he says. Um, there's this sense that we have, when we commit to a person, that it's actually a, a really serious thing. And actually, that is true. And outside the grace of God, and commit, committing to a person is a really hard thing to do. Because people mess up. People make mistakes. And... And so to see the relationship through, we really need God's help. Abraham Lincoln observed, commitment is what transforms a promise into reality. It's the daily triumph of integrity over scepticism. We're surrounded by people that are very sceptical about our promises. We're very sceptical about what what the media tells us. Sometimes that's quite helpful, actually. But in our day-to-day world... We want to be those whose expression of commitment is something which means, which 
means that what we say is what we mean, and what we mean is what we say. In Luke 9, Jesus talks about the cost of following Jesus. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's a pretty heavy statement. No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. As I was thinking about what it means to be committed to God, I was thinking about the fact that for us, we're engaged in doing his work in the earth. And God wants us to be those that are single-mindedly pursuing the things that he has given us to do. If you're trying to plough... Um, and, uh, and to create a nice straight furrow. The place that you have to look is not at your feet. The place you need to look is a point on the other side of the field. You need to point where you're destined. And as we go through our lives, our commitment to God means that we look at our destination. We look towards Jesus, and he allows us to walk straight, to keep doing the things that he has for us to do. And that's very important. If we look back, then the furrow will go wherever it will. But God wants us to be those that have that single-minded attitude. When Elijah uh, called Elisha, and Elisha chose to, to follow him, Elisha was, a plow, was plowing a field, actually. And that's what he did as a living. And he ended up burning his plough and killing the oxen before he followed Elijah. There's a a thing about we leave behind what we have known in order to follow him. So, for you, I just like, I think at this time as we're deconstructing and reconstructing, it's worth just taking a moment to think, what does this single-minded commitment to God look like in, in my life? And what is it to look back? In Jesus, in that story from, from Luke, it, it's a really tough thing. The people aren't really asking to do extraordinarily uh, luxurious things. One is wanting to just bury someone from his family. And Jesus is saying, actually, you know what? If you're looking back at that, I want you to be following me. There's a, there's a, there's a, single, there's a single-mindedness about our commitment. So our commitment to him flows out of his unquestionable commitment to us. God's commitment to us meant that he was willing to even sacrifice his own son. And our commitment to him is made real in our commitment to one another. So I can't say I'm committed to God, but not be committed to you guys. This is how we know what love is, that Christ died for us. 
So when I love God, I need to die for you, which means that what my, my actions have to come above my own desires, so, so that my, my, I'm willing to lay down that which God has for me. But a very, very important point is that that commitment comes out of love. It's not a contract that we sign with God. It's a covenant. It's a promise. And it comes from the heart. If what we're doing in committing to one another is a contract, then it ends in death. The Spirit brings life, but the letter kills. So if we're looking at our activities in the week, and we're looking about how, oh, I've got to do this on this day, this on this day, this is all my commitments, but we're not led by the heart, then we can leave something behind. So that's a very important principle. Now, some of us have been around for a while, and we might remember that there was once a a nice uh, wall, a yellow wall, outside Lifeline House. And um, and, uh, at one time, we turned up, the people that worked there turned up, I say, we, I wasn't there, but we turned up on, a Sunday, on Monday morning to find that a lorry had reversed into our wall and started stealing the bricks away. Um, the bricks were actually very valuable. But in order to steal the wall, you can't take the whole thing at once. You have to take it one brick at a time. Now, the enemy's wise, and he knows he can't take whole churches at once. But what he will try to do is to dislodge you from one another. Our place of commitment to one another is, 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 is a place of safety and a place of security. And uh, God has put people around us to keep us secure. So five minutes, two minutes left. Oh, fine. No problem. Okay. Okay, so, so, that's, what, uh, so that's an important point, okay? So you get that? All right. Um, commitment means taking up a responsibility that restricts what I can do in favour of the kingdom of God. It means, as a brick, I've got to recognise that I'm not independent of people around me, but I'm actually I'm dependent on them, and they're dependent on me. Whatever we do must be rooted in love. So when we, when we get committed... It's not about me choosing to join. It's an interesting thing, this. There is a sense in which when we come along to church uh, and we find a place like this, we can decide, I like this place, I want to join in. Okay? But fundamentally what we're doing in a foundation course and when we have our, our chats afterwards, it's the question we want to say, what pleases God, is this the right place for me? Is this where I belong? Is this where God is joining me? Ephesians 2.22 says that you are being joined together, built together, to become a a place where God lives by his spirit. Our commitment to one another is that joining, is that cement that keeps the wall secure. It's it's a call to live in the place of God's design. And so we're committed. We're committed to God. We're committed to righteousness. We're committed to the fellowship of believers and we're committed to leadership. God, as I've already talked about, the walking straight, uh, seeing our destination. Righteousness. We cannot tolerate sin in our lives. We have to be those that are committed to deal with sin as it emerges and, and see it through. 
We have to be those that are committed to one another, the fellowship, the mutual enjoyment of God's grace. That means meeting together, sharing meals, caring for one another, visiting in hospital, being there when one another are down. That's what commitment is about. Last picture. Um, A cannon, when it fires, uh, creates a huge backwards force. One of the things that enables us to exercise spiritual gift is that we're, we're committed to one another. So when God gives me a spiritual gift, maybe he gives a word for someone, or maybe he gives me uh, uh, that ability to speak into someone's life in a different way, that's a, that's a word directly from God, and it creates a force. If you're loose and you're not committed, it can cr- create destruction. Uh, ships like that one on the right there could be sunk by a loose cannon. If you don't tie down your cannon when you fire it, it goes straight through the wall on the other side of the boat uh, and creates a hole, which is not a good thing. So um, that's very important. So to finish, remember Jesus is our example. He showed the ultimate commitment. See, Jesus said... This is how we know what love is. Or rather, John said in 1 John, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Okay. Thank you very much, Neil. Right. Okay. We've got to watch your question. So uh, let's, let's listen to this. Let's phone in and see what we, what we think. Hello and welcome to What's Your Question? A phone-in for people who have questions about life. Our first caller is Flower McManaman, who has just joined the army. Hello, um, Flower, tell us about yourself. Hello, listen, I just joined the army. Okay, so tell me, Flower, what attracted you to the army in the first place? Oh, I love the adverts. Went to the cinema... Saw the adverts on there. Meet local people, get a taste of the culture, travel the world. Really wanted to do it. So I joined up. Seemed like a good career. Okay, so what's your question? Well, first day, right? Everyone starts shouting at me. This big fella starts shouting. I didn't know what to do. They gave me a uniform and didn't like the colour. It's not fair. The Royal Guard get to dress in red. And they wear those lovely bearskin hats. Why have we got this nasty dark green colour? I mean, if I'm going to die, I've got to look my best. I see. And the gun, don't get me started. It's ever so heavy. The big, loud, shouty chap just expects me to look out for the others in my regiment. But we've all got guns. Why can't we just look after ourselves? My mum raised me a nice lad. She never told me I'd have to raise other geezers my age. Never thought I'd have to look after other people on the battlefield. We did this team exercise. We had to help each other get over the wall. I was the first over. And I legged it. Why should I help others at the risk of my own life? Okay, Flower. I think you might have missed the point of joining up in the first place. So now if I want to be a soldier now. Oh, right. Okay, thank you, Flower. Okay, I'm not sure if Flower was a good name for him. There we go. All right, uh, just wondering if, John, you could come and comment on the back of that. Don't join the army. Yeah. Hmm. 
kind of comes back to understanding what is the real heart and purpose of it. Obviously, in that funny thing, they've missed their heart and purpose. You know, I could have come here this morning and worshipped God on my own. Nothing to stop me. God's here. But there's something about doing that together. Something about what we gain as we, as we join together. And I, th- I think we've got to come back to it. How many of you um, are here because somebody made you come? I mean, today I'm talking about Naomi. Not yeah. Originally, I can imagine that was necessary, but... <laughs> How many actually quite enjoy being part of this community? So I'm just wondering whether we should kind of not so much look at what we get out of it, but why is it that we enjoy it? And actually, it's not about the the amount of activities. It's not about the... uh, just the opportunities to serve. It's about God's put something in our heart directly from him. And this is one of the ways that he gives us to express what he's really like, to express that love. You know, we learn from the Bible that it's good that Neil loves God and God loves him and I love God and God loves me. But actually, the love of God, the purpose that God had in releasing that love is only completed. I mean, it's strong stuff. It's only made complete when we love one another. Otherwise, there's a, there's a gap in the purpose of God. So, I know it's in the plan of God we enjoy. I remember David uh, in the psalm said, I delight to do your will. Uh, that's, that's part of the love of God. I mean, God loves you. He wants you to enjoy life, and the best life you can enjoy is actually submitting to him and seeing what pleases him. So, yes, there is an enjoyment in it, but there's actually a very significant purpose. That is t- to make the love of God complete. Not by coming to a meeting, but by being in relationship one with another. Meeting's just one expression of it. So I think it's important that we, that we see part of God's plan for us to enjoy his life is that we're actually joined in relationship. Anybody hate having friends? Oh, no. Not that friend. Oh. Could I just live in absolute solitude? Could I find some way of just never having anything to do? I don't suppose anybody here ever woke up. Well, you might have woke up like that, but you really wouldn't want to be like that, would you? See, God has made us to enjoy one another. Yeah? It's all part of the plan of God. The plan of God is that we're joined together in, in a community. 
is the very nature of God, that we actually enjoy one another. We enjoy having friends. But, you know, I'm talking about the sort of friends you know you can rely on. You know that they're there for you. I'm not just talking about what we call fair-weather friends, you know, the people that are actually there for you, which is where the expression of commitment comes from. Even if you look at one other form, commitment, I guess a higher form, but commitment in terms of marriage. You know, I think it's God's plan to enjoy that. Yeah? Okay, I, only I think that. but um, yeah. I don't think Oh, I've got to share my space. Well, I do, but I mean, I don't get anywhere with it. <laughs> I've got to wear the things that are approved of. <laughs> I actually think, oh, the old girl's coming home. Happy day. Hmm? Uh, I mean, I actually, is it all right? Uh, is that all right, Gordon? You feel the same? <laughs> On good days. <laughs> Yeah, I'll check, I'll check with Andy, I'll get a positive. <laughs> but, you know, the concept of being committed, God has built into us. And if we don't have that, and we don't have it in his way, we're missing out on God's plan for our life. To actually enjoy and be fulfilled. I'm not talking marriage now, I'm talking about the relationship with God, and therefore with one another. Yeah? If you hear somebody say, you know, I just have a wonderful relationship with Jesus, I don't need anything else, they're deluded, deceived, and daft. Okay, you can keep hold of that mic. Um, story time. Okay, so here's another bunch of stories relating to... Uh, the co- sto- get to you get to sit down for a minute. So have a quick look at this, and then I'll, I'll ask for some requests. Okay, Eureka Age. Iman, shout out. Visit from the Fix-It Fairy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we're talking an expression of commitment, not a contract, um, not something that's required, but something that's given freely uh, from heart. And I want to fix it fairy. I never thought of it like that, but uh, about um, somebody who loved me and said, you know what, I'm going to take a week's holiday off of work I'm coming to paint your house. And that's what they did. It took a week's holiday because they saw a need and they saw a way of fulfilling it. And similar thing, same person, helping me fix a stair carpet, but it needed to be nailed down. The kids were asleep um, and we couldn't be hammering at that time because one of them, who shall remain nameless, didn't do well with sleeping. Don't worry, mine's having its, its yeah, own back on yeah. me. <laughs> Turned up before he went to work the next morning, I've come to finish the job. 
Do you know, it was in things like that that I saw commitment being expressed. And I first heard it, this is going on a little bit, but I first heard it was when we were beginning to hear people that God was raising up to teach us a different way about the restoration of church, about um, community, which we had not, we knew nothing of. I remember one of the preachers saying, he was going somewhere, his car broke down, and he suddenly realized that there were four people he could call. And actually, he said, you know what? That's darn sight better than the AA. Like I could get that response. And I thought, wow, that appeals. There's something about a, a, a connection, a, a joining together that really sowed a seed that appealed in me. Okay, another, another request. Josh. Breakfast that could grease an engine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's it beginning in the early visits to uh, Dominica. We were staying at this place um, that had no running water, electricity, telephone or anything like that. And certainly no hotels or restaurants or anything like that. Uh, and uh, so I was staying uh, in this home and uh, I guess the commitment to the task meant you embrace even things that are uncomfortable. But I kind of got to a point when they served this cold fish for breakfast that as you as you ate it, your mouth was filled with a sort of cold, oily grease. I thought, well, this, this is taking commitment to the cause <laughs> to the very extreme. Okay, so what, another request? Um, Alex? Okay, they came from all angles to catch the flying tent. Yeah, I remember this wasn't that long ago, just a few years ago when we were on church holiday and uh, many, many people were out and away somewhere and uh, we had this tremendous wind come and the rain and I, I could see tents beginning to blow down and I sent a word round to whoever was there and it was pouring of rain, the wind was blowing and then I looked and saw that there were brothers and sisters coming from every direction. And I thought, this is an outworking of the very thing. It's an opportunity. It's a synthetic situation, but it's an opportunity to see what we actually believe being practiced in a very dramatic way. Okay. Uh, someone from this area? Locked in a cupboard during a riot. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think Richard could tell us about that, but Richard and Lucy, and the, when the kids were young, felt the call of God to go and uh, spend uh, some time in Sierra Leone. And uh, the, the home came under attack. Uh, there was a riot going on. And uh, because they felt they were, or the people there felt that they were particularly vulnerable, they had a, like a, almost like a vault, like a, a a secure store cupboard and uh, so they locked them uh, in that cupboard. I'm glad they didn't burn the place down because they would have been like in the 
in an oven there. But it was just one aspect of the commitment that they were making uh, and trusting God in the thing. Uh, and they, you know, being the Novembers, I know they're a special type, but, um, you know, afterwards, yeah, it was a bit it was a bit scary at the time, but they just, after it passed, they unlocked the door and they just carried on as though nothing had happened. So, commitment. Okay, one last one from this side. Yes. Things go wrong when John's out of the country. Yeah. I guess, in a sense, that's a test of a commitment to the, to the calling of God because it seemed every time I was away, something would happen. Um, the house would get burgled or... Um, was it him? Uh, somebody invited them to lunch and the, the dog that was there bit him in the face and uh, it's probably improved it a bit but <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there were a series of things like that that were happening and in the end the leaders got together and really took authority over it but again that test of, of commitment uh, as well as the, uh, the pain of actually going and oft times all the family was in tears because I was going away. So, yeah, test of commitment to the calling and purpose of And God. that was both you and mum, that commitment was expressed from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to put the request in from, uh, from dialysis to doulos. Can you tell that one? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, this was Norma's... Uh, you remember Norma from St. Martin, her late husband, Manuel? Some of you wouldn't know him, but... Um, he uh, some time before uh, he died uh, he was having to have dialysis to have dialysis they had to get a flight to San Juan from uh, St Martin and so he was there having dialysis and he flew back but he was due to be teaching uh, Dulos and he went straight from the airport uh, to the Dulos teaching. And guess what he was teaching on? Commitment. And I said, that man could have sat in a chair and not said a word because he was a living expression of a, of a commitment to, to kind of walk through in the purpose of God. Very impressive. Okay, all right. Um, do you want to finish off? I'm very keen that you you get the um, get the message that this is not it simply doesn't even work uh, if if it's a kind of sense of something imposed it has to be there um, out of a heart's desire you know, you know in any expression all right we had the funny thing about the army but uh, it has to come from something stirring in our heart. Otherwise, guys, we're just talking about an additional form of legalism. These are the rules. This is what have to happen. You imagine, again, just using one particular expression of commitment, marriage. If marriage was about these are the rules that we must keep, instead of this is the desire and the love that God gave us. Once we've settled that... Um, I'm just looking for the scripture that I want. 
in Exodus 21, uh, it's laying out various rules about uh, servants and uh, about the master and about what he has to do. And um, after the six years, uh, or in the seventh year, he shall go free. But in Exodus 21, verse 5, it says this, But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then it gets a little bit gory after that. Should I read it? Yeah, yeah all right. You, you love a bit of that, don't you? Yeah. Then his master must take him before the judges. He should take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. Do you know what strikes me on, on this? Is that if the servant declares, I love my master, from a heart of love, declaring, yes, I could be free, but I'm choosing not to be free. I could do just what I want, but I'm choosing to actually seek first to please God. And I know that pleasing him is expressed in as we serve and relate one to another as one of the key ways. And I just want to leave us with that this morning. It must never, ever get to a place of rules, expectations, uh, regulations. And sometimes it's a good thing to just turn back and say, Lord, just, just renew my heart. Just refresh me. So that I'm not relating to my brother because it's the rule I've got to do it, but because something is constantly renewed. I do not believe it's possible to enter into the presence of God and be refreshed in his presence and experience that, that joy and peace and indescribable sense of what happens in the presence of God. You can't do that without actually being renewed in your love, the love of God flowing through you towards one another. God knows that. God leads us to be refreshed and restored in that. So as we conclude, that place of just saying, Lord, I, because of love, because of your love, because of your stirring in my being, I, I express this commitment. I lay down my life. I do what you've asked me to do. I seek to please you rather than please myself. Not from some rule book, but from something that you've placed inside me. Yeah? Let's just join together. and You may feel you don't need that refreshing. I find I need that refreshing lots and lots. So that I'm coming with something fresh from the presence of God. Can we just join together? Yeah, just ask him. Lord, for those that have never known this, those that have never really understood commitment as an outworking of love that you place in their hearts. Lord, in this time when we've celebrated your power this day, we do invite you just to confirm your word with signs following to place in the hearts of those that seek you 
those that are open to you right now, this freshness of love for you and therefore for your people. Lord, that we might be delivered from any sense of this is, a, this is just a, something imposed. But Lord, that we might be renewed in love because remember, Lord, when brethren dwell together in that place that you have ordained, that place of love, that place of unity, you command particular blessing. We look for that and long for that. So Lord, will you take us please into that place where we can choose out of love like the servant to say, no, I don't want to go out free. I want to be not only with you and with your people, but in a place of pleasing you rather than pleasing myself. For your name's sake, amen.